I feel like there's a world where this like, let, let's be conservative. I feel like there's a like, this is very clearly a $10 million a year thing that makes 2 million in profit. Yeah. I feel like I can rule the world. I know I could be what I want to. I put my all in it like my days off on the road. Let's travel. Never looking back. Dude, there's like a picture in the background that is just getting my attention so much that crooked. There's like a crooked picture. You see it? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> there, there's a whole subreddit called like, uh, I forget what it's exactly called, but it's about like minor things that are just slightly it's off. Like, like, what were they thinking? It's like something? mildly, like there's mildly interesting. No, there's yeah. probably mildly irritating or something like that. No, it's called mildly infuriating. <laughs> mildly infuriating, That's what it's exactly. Called. Did you did you just guess that? Well, I know about mildly interesting. So yeah. Uh, anyway, what's going on, Justin? Um, do you know you know what you're getting into? Like, do you know what we're what we do? Yeah. No, okay. I know a good bit. <laughs> All right, good. So you, uh, we'll just do like a really quick intro, but you. Uh, you've done a bunch of stuff. I've known you since 2013, I think, right? Yeah, I think actually a little earlier when you were doing the roommate thing. How'd how'd you guys meet? We both had roommate businesses. And we just became friends. He moved to San... You you moved to San Francisco. I ended up introducing him. uh, Or no, he met one of the girl... A girl he dated for a long time in the elevator on his way up to our meeting, who was my coworker. And... So we just ran in like the circle of friends for years. That's pretty good. So did you get the number in the elevator or what was the, uh, the elevator is not, it's only a two floor, you're, you're on the second floor, right? Sam? So <laughs> that's not too long. to. It, it was a fast, day. it was a fast close. <laughs> yeah. How'd that happen? Tell me about it. Yeah. We we met. <laughs> do you want me to share this? Sam? I'm happy yeah, to. Yeah, do it. I don't have we, anything to hide. That's sweet. Um, yeah. I mean, we met and this girl walked into an elevator and I was like, just making a joke. She was, I think like maybe a tiny bit drunk and tried to hit a button, but there are no buttons in the elevator. It's one of those fancy ones that like you walk into and the attendant sends you somewhere. <laughs> and so I just started sort of making fun of her for that. And in the several story ride with like two other stops, um, I was like, Hey, we should hang out. And then we hung out at, um, at Sam's apartmentless party and Shane numbers and have been friends since. <laughs> Amazing. Uh, okay. And Sam, did you, did you know that Justin was going to go on to do great things at the time? Did you spot that early or no? Was he just another dude? Yeah. Well, we were both scheming. We were only 22, I think, when we met. That, yeah. that was a while ago. And he, um, he had this roommate thing and I had a roommate thing. And I think anyone who ever started, that's like, there's like three things that you start right when you graduate college. Yeah. And that, like, that's like one of them. And so they never work out well. Like they're never, never. that good. So but anyway, by the way, those that. three are like music discovery. Oh, why is it so hard to find new music? That we can solve that problem. Uh, it's roommate <laughs> roommate discovery is, is another one, and then it, food delivery. Yeah, it's either, <laughs> T-shirt it depends businesses. who you're, and then like or like college Craigslist. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Local local Craigslist. Sometimes it's to do list, or sometimes if it's like your first time commuting, you're like, if you're, I know this for engineers. I've, I've met like ten engineers that all made the same thing first, which was. Basically, like a bus tracking software is like tells them when the bus is coming because they just like are so tired of the unpredictable. Like, is it seven minutes more or less? And they're like, I need to make an app for this. Well, so yeah, yeah we were we were both doing that, and I knew. I mean, whatever. We that was a stepping stone for both of us. And then he started. Um, you co-wrote a book with a guy, or no? You you sold a company, or you joined a company somehow. You were working with my friend Terry, and their whole business was buying and selling stuff, and that was like pretty successful i believe and then you also started working on writing this book called traction with this duck duck go guy gabe is his name right yep exactly 
and then it was and then he was doing Udemy courses and I was like, yeah, I mean, we're all like schemers. He had like Airbnbs and I think you did you buy cars and rent them to Uber people? Uh, no, my, my roommate was doing that. I was looking at doing it, but decided it was a miserable business. So didn't end up doing it. <laughs> and we were so we were always doing stuff. We had you had a Udemy course. I probably was selling some type of information stuff. And then he started this thing called Kettle and Fire, which First of all, like I thought it was so stupid on so many capacities or so many uh, plays. Let's here. go like, through the first. <laughs> so first, I was like, he was like, I'm gonna start like selling like this uh, like hard good. I'm like, bro, like we work in the internet. Why would you ever want to like start like a good thing? Then he was like, it's gonna be food, and I'm like, ah, your kid. Like, why would you ever do that? Then he said it was bone broth, and I was like, <laughs> bone broth? People drink bone broth. And then this was like before like this whole like. I don't even think the word D to C was a was a thing. And so I mean, I thought it was the dumbest thing ever. And I was wrong, right? Like it was, it's been a it's been a smashing success. And he started this yeah. kettle and fire thing. And, and it's quite big. You've also started uh, my neighbor, Sean, is this guy named Anthony. I don't know who did it first. One of you guys like had this thing called uh, perfect keto where you're selling keto products. And then you guys like, Combine you, you. So we we partnered up on it. Basically, we I was like running kettle and fire, and as I do sometimes, looking for like another side hustle thing to start on the side. Uh, and he had another business that was in the supplement space. But the two of us were just like, hey, we should work on a small side project together, make something that does twenty grand a month. And like once we hit that threshold, we'll like blow it all on a ridiculous trip to Japan. And that was like the whole goal of the business. Uh, and, which and it's like we pretty big, right? It's yeah, I mean, we we thought it would take like a year or two to get to 20 grand a month and we did it in the first like 45 days. It was insane. Hey, quick break to talk about our sponsor today. We're talking about HubSpot and their new AI powered service hub. Okay, so what is service hub? Basically, every customer today wants to be talked to in a personalized way. And before that required tons of human agents. But now with AI, you could do that in a personalized way with fewer humans involved. And so you don't have to scale up your team in order to deliver personalized chat and service. So check out HubSpot's new service hub to use their AI tools to give better support to your customers. That's what they want and that's what they deserve. So visit HubSpot.com slash service to learn how this all new solution can help you deliver customer service with AI to your customers. And then Kettle and Fire is like a big thing too. You guys like, I think, did you raise money or did you sell a portion of it? Yeah, so Kettle and Fire, we, uh, we raised money. We bootstrapped for the first 18 months, raised a tiny bit of money, less than a million dollars. Ran in another like 16 months and then decided that the the opportunity was big enough that it made sense for us to raise. So we raised $16 million in 2018. Uh, about half of that went to secondary and the other half went to like actually putting money into the business. So I've heard a number that either Kettle and Fire or Perfect Keto or both did $100 million in revenue. I don't know if that's a cumulative lifetime number. I don't know if that's an annual number. Is this a public number or is this, what, what can you tell me about this? Because that was a big number. I was yeah, very surprised. So, <laughs> and I'm a customer. I, yeah, I have so, like six of your bone broths, uh, you know, sitting in my pantry right now. Yeah, me too. I really like I love that. Uh, there's one flavor I really like and I feel like I never get it in any store. And then I'm like, all right, let me try these other five and see if any of them can match that one I really love. <laughs> What's the one that you're super into? Uh, I don't remember which one. It's, it's, it's like the top. It's like, I think it's like one of the Thai lime. The Tom Yum. Yeah, I think it's either the Tom Yum or one of the other ones. Like It's like that. It's like a Thai curry type flavor. And Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that's one of my favorites. <laughs> yeah. And some of those, by the way, are nasty, but some of them are really good. And so I'm like, it's like, you know, those like when you get a pack of cards, you're like looking for a hologram, like a holographic Charizard inside, and then you get a Squirtle. That's how I feel about Kettle and Fire. I know this is not common, but that's just my personal experience with the, with so far. 
Thank, thanks, man. <laughs> I'll take that as a compliment, I guess. Okay, but back, back to the business side. So uh, I was a customer, but I was shocked when I heard that 100 million number. What is that number? Yeah, so that's not cumulative. Uh, you know, we, we, we stopped sort of disclosing revenue numbers recently, but I can say in 2019, like the two businesses combined did north of 100. Gotcha. And is, what is Perfect Keto? So I know Kettle and Fire. What's Perfect Keto? Yeah, so Perfect Keto is a, a line of supplements and food products for people interested in lowering their carb and sugar intake. And so we, we have like a clean label line of foods and supplements for people on a ketogenic diet or who just like want to eat fewer carbs and no sugars. Gotcha. And are you keto? And Sean, the guy who started it, by, or his partner, is literally my next door neighbor. Yeah, but you also say everyone's your neighbor, so I never know what to believe. And then I came to visit you <laughs> and you drove me around. You're like, that's where this guy lives. That's where this person lives. That's where this person lives. And now I... Now I believe you, but if somebody's no, listening like to the pod, they're like, wait, he said his neighbor is Neville. Then he said his neighbor is the guy who made the ice barrel thing that we talked about last time. Then he said his neighbor's the, st- the student loan guy. Then he said his neighbor is this other thing. And student student loan hero guy and ice same, barrel guy are the same yeah. guy. So they live like he lives like 20 houses down. Anthony literally lives direct like uh like 30 feet from me. Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah, like literally right there. So the context, I guess so the context funny. here is you knew Justin Lucy, um, and I've never met Justin. No, I did not, not Lucy. Oh, you know, well, okay. And um, intimately. <laughs> and you've done two things I think that are really interesting. One is the Perfect Keto stuff and Carolyn Fire, basically building a brand that, that's been pretty damn successful. And then the other is you write content. And I want to actually talk about some of the content stuff you write. So you have the book Traction, that's a good book. But on your blog, there's one blog post that I remember. It's been sent to me several times. So I know other people like it too. So let's start there if you're, if you're cool with it, which is you have this side hustle post on, on your blog. And I'm assuming this is probably one of your more popular blog posts. Is that right? Yeah, definitely. And you basically outline that you've done a bunch of side hustles and then you have like kind of like you break it down as like there's these four types of side hustles. So can you give us kind of like give us the, the side hustle bit uh, here, which is like, and if you scroll all the way down to that sheet you're on, you'll see your, your outline. Yeah, which is basically like, what are the side hustles you've done? Or like, how, what, how do you think about side hustles? And then break, people, break those four down for people. Totally. Yeah. So the reason that I got into this is uh, when Sam and I met, you know, the two of us were like, we want to do this entrepreneurship thing. But in, in many ways, it's actually a lot easier and like emotionally uh, bearable to start a company if you have just like income coming in that's covering your expenses. And so when I moved to San Francisco, you know, this, the city is super expensive. And so I started like doing a bunch of side hustles just to try and make income that would give me the freedom to like spend my time trying to launch a, a company that would really create a lot of like equity value and sort of like life changing, um, you know, financial freedom. And so when I, what I did when I moved to SF, I like started Airbnb our place. We at one point, you know, this is 2013. We had like the number third, like the third ranked Airbnb in San Francisco. And so we were, uh, we were like renting out either our living room most nights or, uh, you know, over summers we'd rent it out for like 15, 18 grand a month. And then we just, and we were paying three grand a month for the spot. So like, that was incredible at, at the time. And we just travel and then launched like Udemy courses. There was a period where I was buying motorcycles that were on Craigslist in Oakland and selling them in San Francisco. Cause there was like an arbitrage there. <laughs> so I was just doing a bunch of random, uh, random stuff. And so when I wrote this article, so many people that I've talked to were like, you know, I want to understand how to make side income and how to think about this stuff. Um, and so I just kind of like broke down like the, the different sorts 
in my mind, like the four kinds of businesses that you can start as a side hustle. Um, you know, some of these that I've done actually ended up being more, more real businesses, but like, do you want me to just talk through the categories yeah, and, and kind of what you, I've you done also had a area? good disclaimer, which is like, look, first things first, accept that what you're doing is not meant to be the next Facebook. It's not meant to be a startup. It's like you're trying to make money. You're trying to get some profitable cash flow from a business quickly without a ton of like, you know, without waiting seven years for this thing to pay off. So like first, yeah. let's call it what it is. All right. Let's call a spade a spade is I, I thought an important disclaimer. And then you had these four four groups. Uh, so let, let's run through them. And then. Sam, you tell me if you've also totally. done any in these categories. Yeah, to totally. Yeah. I mean, I think truly if you're Mark Zuckerberg or like a Collison brother, like fucking raise money, do like the, the massive thing that you're working on. I just think for most people, entrepreneurship is a means to an end. And that end is like a lifestyle that people are trying to create. And so the, the more that you can like create that and, get, and the faster you get financial freedom, I just think that's a useful thing for more people to have in general. Um, so the the four like kinds of side hustles that... Um, that I talked about in my blog post. Um, the first one that I talk about is like buying an existing asset. Basically, you can look at like, what's an existing asset that, that you could try and purchase, leverage your skills, connections, resources, whatever, uh, to upgrade that, you know, make it more cash flow positive, make it do better, whatever. Uh, and then you get to capture the value created by upgrading that asset. I did this with like, Sam, I'm sure you guys could do this if you bought an email newsletter, you know, you know how to run that better buy it for a million bucks, improve it. You could probably sell it for, you know, three to five a couple of years later. Yeah, I was, so, um, my friend Ramon bought something that I, ha I had a small part of. Um, and it was a software, very small software app that when we bought it, maybe it was doing 20,000 a month. And all we did was we doubled the price of the product and it doubled the revenue. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> and you did that too. Didn't, didn't you own a, or you bought a thing called FOMO, right? Yeah. Yeah. So a partner and I bought a Shopify app called FOMO. Uh, it was doing 14k a month at the time we bought it. Uh, you know, we bought it. Uh, we paid less than 400. I'll say that less um, than 400,000. And you, yeah, which, which was like a super good multiple. And at you, the time. you didn't but put the whole thing equity. down, right? So you get seller financing, or what'd you do? <laughs> yeah, so we had a really like the the guy basically wanted out. It was a single founder, and we were like, hey, we know how to market. We have connections. We can like really help grow this thing. And so we bought 85 percent of the business. Uh, we bought it and then we were basically we were like, we're going to buy this and pay you in monthly chunks for the next 20 months. Um, and so every like month for 20 months, we used the revenue that we were making from FOMO to make our payment to him. And like my partner and I basically came out of pocket $0 to acquire this asset. We were obviously working on running it. We like had to throw in, I think it ended up being five grand each to pay the developers the first couple months. But, um, but yeah, I mean, it was like an incredible acquisition. How big is it now? Now it does about 95 grand a month. Sounds like a good deal to me. <laughs> yeah, it's a good deal. I mean, it's a good deal for everyone. The guy like has gotten his time back. He's started other companies in the interim. And like when we exit this thing, he'll make probably more than he would have made on the exit than, you know, had he continued to run this for the last three years and with no headache. It's like a nice. So, <laughs> so you're talking about buy. So category one, buying an asset. This can be uh, a house that you Airbnb. It can be a yep. internet company that you just, you know, you do what Sam did. You go in the code, you push, you know, control F, you find the price and then you change the number to double, which is like Sam's genius <laughs> or what you did was, you, you know, who I learned that from was Terry. You're, I don't know if she was your boss yeah. or what, but she I, taught me how to yeah, do that. <laughs> how, to, how to find the price <laughs> part the of the code playbook. or what? <laughs> well, she was like, she was like, look, the whole thing is that engineer led businesses typically are priced poorly. And if you just double the price 
uh, it works. Right. And she was like, double the price and then find out which emails uh, URLs are being used a bunch of times. So for example, if you have like 18 people using at uber.com, contact the HR department or whoever the procurement and like sell enterprise. Like she kind of like taught me the stuff that uh, Justin's old company was doing. Yeah, exactly. Hey, let's take a quick break to tell you about our sponsor. It is a podcast that we want you to check out. It's called D2C Pod. It's hosted by Ramon Berrios and Blaine Bolas. It is brought to you by the HubSpot Podcast Network, the audio destination for business professionals. And this is a podcast about all things direct-to-consumer, D2C. It's e-commerce stores. It's how you optimize your brand. And they're talking with founders, marketers, and the platform creators about all kinds of things that you need to know for D2C. You know, website conversion, paid ads, Facebook ads, consumer trends, email marketing, if you want to know the stories behind your favorite brands, this podcast is for you. They did an episode recently about scaling creator growth and influencer incentives. I thought it's pretty cool. So check it out. Listen to DTC Pod wherever you get your podcasts. So I so I ended up, I really like this buy an asset thing. I think sometimes you have to have money. Other times you can sell or finance. But we ended up doing this too with an apartment building in, in uh, Vegas where we bought a 14-unit apartment building. Could put it all on Airbnb. Uh, basically, like tripled the cash flow and then sold it eighteen months later uh, for you know seventy percent more than what we paid. And by for the it. way, in the um, blog post, you had a couple examples I think are useful. We don't have to go too much into them, but you were like, uh, you, you talked about this thing, which is like, okay, if you know you have the skills to like improve the value of the asset. So for Airbnb, you were like, all right, to get more Airbnb bookings, like you know, first if it's not on Airbnb, we should put it on Airbnb. If it is on Airbnb, yep. we can like boost the bookings by like these three things, right? Uh, Put more and better photos up. Okay, easy. Anybody yep. can do that, but most people haven't optimized that. Second, like instantly respond to every inquiry so that we get a fast response rate. The algorithm likes that. And then the last thing is like whatever, like five-star reviews at the end or something like that. And so you're yep. like, I can just take those three levers and I can apply it to any property now that isn't optimized for Airbnb. So if they think it's worth 100, I already know it's worth 120 because I know I can just do that playbook again on, uh, on, on, on any property. Yeah, exactly. And that's like, that actually leads to the sort of like the second bucket of side hustles that I talk about, which is basically look at what is a marketplace with existing demand where you don't have to go out and find the customer. You just provide the supply side stuff like buying, you know, putting a property on Airbnb. All I have to do is understand how does the property like, or how does Airbnb uh, dictate where I rank, you know, and what does it want from me as a supplier? And then my, my shit is going to get booked up. Uh, like I don't actually have to go find every individual customer that's traveling to San Francisco that can rent our apartment because like Airbnb is doing that for me. And you did that with like uh, was it, you used to have a thing? It was called uh, SQL for programmers or what was it called? Yeah, SQL yeah, for, yeah, SQL for marketers. Or, yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah, yeah. So basically, exactly. So so I've done this on a couple platforms. Like Amazon is is a big one. Like a bunch of people are starting FBA businesses, but I sort of think that focusing on up and coming platforms where the supply side isn't crazy competitive is actually a really good place to start where you could like when I when I was um, when I launched my first Udemy course, you know, I filmed it literally over five days in my bedroom in San Francisco, no like good quality, no good editing. It was just like, it candidly like was not an amazing <laughs> course from a like student experience standpoint, but the content was good. Uh, but Udemy was such an early platform that I put it up there and just by being literally the first guy to talk about, here's how to learn SQL as a marketer, like that course sold, I think like 60 grand over the next couple of years. Um, and to this day, I still get like $1,000 a month from that course from Udemy, which is absurd. Um, and, you know, that was all because like, here's an emerging platform. 
They want people creating stuff on the supply side. How do I create a course or whatever uh, that just like can reach people who are already looking for something on a platform um, and focus on that? And I don't know if you did this so like, for that, but uh, there's ways to basically figure out what are people searching for. So there's like tools like Ahrefs yeah. or whatever. You can figure out what, what Google searches are, are, are people doing and in what volume. But uh, even on individual platforms, there's ways to figure it out. Like I know I looked at this business to buy and it was this girl selling a waist trainer. Do you know what a waist trainer is? No. It's basically, do you know what this thing is? It's like, I had no idea no. what this was before. Um, so it's basically like, you know, like, okay, I'm going to, here's the, here's the mansplain to, here's three <laughs> dudes talking about waist trainers. All right. So, you know, like if you watch like Pirates of the Caribbean or some, any movie or, or show that's like based in kind of like olden times, girls wear that like corset. It's like this super tight thing that you're, you're like, you squeeze into this and then you wear your dress on top. Yeah, so your figure gets like, your stomach gets squeezed Got in it. and your boobs get squeezed out. Like Spanx or something. It's, it's like yeah, old yeah. school Spanx. And so uh, yeah. what waist trainers are, are that. It's basically like a cinch you wear around your stomach constantly. And it makes you look good in the moment. But also the idea is that it trains your your muscles or your body to like, to, to tighten up. Um, because you kind of have to keep it flexed in a way for it to not like kind of be uncomfortable, I guess. I don't know what the theory is, but that's my guess. Interesting. And like the Kardashians kind of like, you know, talk about the stuff and it kind of got a little more popular. So this girl who was building this business, I was like, cool. So like, what do you spend every month in marketing? She's like, oh, like we don't spend anything in marketing. I was like, so how do you, how are you growing so fast? She's like, oh, I just saw that on YouTube, nobody was owning the keyword for waist trainers and like how to size one, how to wear one, do they work? So she just created like the YouTube channel to be the answer to every search question about waist trainers on YouTube. And you can go, if you just go search waist trainers right now on YouTube, you'll find all her videos. That's amazing. And so all her sales wow. just come just from that. And she was doing a few million dollars a year of, uh, of revenue, a million dollars of profit per year, just through that one channel alone. Amazing. Yeah. <laughs> Good for her. But yeah, yeah I, I think exactly what you're talking about. It's like find where people are searching for something and there's no supply there. And that's a really good place to focus. Like when I launched SQL for Marketers, there was literally almost nothing under the like marketing, like the technical marketing or like the data analytics, data-driven marketing section for Unimi. And so it was like, cool, if I put that up there, that seems like it'll, it'll resonate and do well, uh, which ended up being correct. And what are the third and fourth ones? Yeah, so the, the third one is uh, basically like launch a unique product in an area where you can buy customers via paid acquisition. And again, I think all of this is like super important to, to remember that you're not building Facebook. You're just like, if you look at Google AdWords or waist trainers, as you're saying, and there's a gap there, you can figure out how to make a product. And your goal is not like make a $100 million business, but make one that does a million dollars a year. Like there are almost infinite niches on the internet where you can just make a product, buy some rough keywords and just sell through in a category that, you know, where, where you're like the first to market or the first to do a really good job. What's an example, in market that's what's an example in that category that you've seen either from yourself or a friend or someone you've seen recently that's doing that, that model. <laughs> yeah. So there, there's a company actually that is doing, um, that's like vests for dogs but the vests are spiky so that coyotes don't attack your dog. So you, <laughs> you can turn like, your dog into a put this vest. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like you could put this vest on a dog and then it won't get eaten by coyotes because it's got like spikes all over it. Um, so, I mean, what an incredible niche product. Uh, you know, that's definitely not going to like go public, but that could be an incredible business. Uh, and so that stuff like that, I mean, honestly, that's what, um, that's what Kettle and Fire was going to be when we first launched it. I had no idea that bone broth would be 
such a compelling category and and the trend would take off like it has. Like our plan was basically we looked at we looked at Google searches and we were like, I think we can build a like twenty to forty grand a month business. So when you say we space. looked at Google searches, what does that mean in practical terms? Most people have never done that. So what what, what did yeah, you Yeah. <laughs> Fair. So we we use like Google AdWords keyword tool just to say like Which I, how many uh, that's, like, that's it's like discontinued anymore. now. Yeah, I know. Now you'd have to use uh, Arefs or SDM Rush or something. Um, but at, at the time, we used a, ter- a tool that was basically like there's two thousand people a month looking for like buy bone broth online, <laughs> and so if we can be the supplier that will sell you bone broth online, like you know, assuming we convert like even ten percent of those people. 200 orders, $50 a month, like, you know, that that's a pretty material uh, side hustle. And so that was like the reason that we launched Kettle on yeah, Fire. Yeah, Google is like, um, you know, it's like a magic lamp. And on one side, you have all the Aladdins out there making wishes, and then you just get to be the genie. So it's like, there are these <laughs> tools that tell you, here's the wishes people are entering into this magic box. They're just hoping for something. And if you notice that, exactly, hey, that's, that's more people than I would have expected saying this thing or asking this question or wanting this thing. And you go search for it and you're like, wow, these results suck. Uh, okay, how do I just become the top result for that thing? And so you thought you thought Kettle and Fire would do that. So give me a sense of how long did it take for you to get from idea, like seeing that keyword and being like, oh, maybe we could do this to actually making like, I don't know, $1,000 a month. How, how long was that process for you? Yeah, so the process took about a year. Most of it was because I'd never done a physical product before. And so it was like just bumbling around in the dark, like trying to find someone that could make this stuff, had a bunch of false starts. But it took us basically 12 months to... Uh, to go from like, hey, I think this is an opportunity to actually having product in box. But once we had product in box, you know, we did over twenty grand our first month that we were live. Uh, so, huh. and you, um, you are you the CEO of Kettle on Fire? I am. Yeah, you've got like three. We're going to talk about this other thing that you're thinking about doing. How are you balancing all this time? It's a good question. Uh, I, I honestly, I've never had a good answer for this. I just are like you balancing I it well. Uh, okay. I mean, some of these things like perfect keto, like I don't have a day-to-day role in it anymore, you know? So I like co-founded it, but have completely stepped away. Uh, one of the things that at Kettle and Fire that I think I'm proud of that we've done really well is like, we have a phenomenal team. And so to that, to that extent, I get to work on stuff that, uh, only I can do uniquely well, like writing long 15 page posts about how beef is actually like not bad for the environment and shit like this that I'm kind of interested in. But a lot of the day-to-day is handled by like the team that we've built over the last, you know, five, five plus years. So I really like am in control of my time in general, uh, which is quite nice. When you partner with a guy like Anthony or whoever you're partnering with and you aren't doing, uh, how many of these things do you have right now where you have your hands in roughly right now? Like five, probably. Okay. And so, but there's one that's your day job, right? Yeah. Okay, so for the other four, when you make these structures with people, um, so a guy like Anthony, or it doesn't have to be him, but the representative that represents him, are you taking a draw from that business at all? Or are you just only going to pay yourself if it sells? Yeah, so at this point, I'm pretty focused on like creating equity value. And so, you know, for example, like a company I incubated, uh, Shirley Wines, it's like a non-alcoholic wine company. We launched earlier this year. I recruited, I like basically had the idea, tested it, validated it, lined up supply chain, hired in the operator, um, the, the operator and CEO, he's taking a salary. And like, I probably won't get a dollar out of that business uh, for until we eventually sell that business or whatever happens with it. Like I put in a bunch of my own money to capitalize it and get it up and running. But I'm just like, I'm not going to suck money out of that 
thing until, uh, you know, until we have a good outcome. So then really the only thing you, or the th- not the only thing, I mean, the thing you're bringing to the table is you are bringing a little bit of cash and also you're bringing some expertise and your guidance. Yeah, totally. In that, in that but case, but it, it also like, like incubated the whole idea in that, in that one. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think it's basically like trying to create a, a compelling opportunity for someone where, you know, someone can go instead of going, if someone wants to be a founder CEO today, their options are like jump, take no salary for 12 to 18 months, hope they can figure out an idea and raise money and do all that kind of stuff. Or like build a side hustle, which is again, like a totally different skill set that we're kind of talking about. And so with this one specifically, like I incubated the idea, had everything lined up, validated that it was big, brought investors. Uh, and basically it was like, Hey man, if you want to be a founder and CEO, you can just walk into this role. You take zero healthcare, zero salary risk, uh, and you're you're good. Like you're a founder, you have a ton of upside. You're this operating CEO. We have investors lined up. It's a big opportunity. Like it it sort of works for both parties. Uh, you know, when you um, are you do you regret or are you thankful that you raised money for Kettle and Fire? Oh, definitely thankful. I mean, really? With yeah, for sure. I mean, with with Kettle and Fire in particular, like. The business had grown to a really meaningful amount, and I still had like most of my net worth wrapped up in that. And so I think getting some secondary was like personally really meaningful. Um, and it also meant that like I felt more okay pushing for a bigger outcome. It also meant like I think I will probably raise for most things that I do going forward or invest my own money just because the caliber of the team that we were able to hire around us, like what we were doing on a shoestring budget versus what we could do after was just night and day. Like we have an amazing team, but amazing people are expensive. And so it's definitely like made my life a hundred times easier and more enjoyable getting to spend other people's money to increase the value of my equity by hiring amazing people. It's like, that seems like a no brainer to me in a lot of ways. Uh, yeah. When you explain that way, it does. But if I was one of your investors and, I, yeah. and you're doing all this other stuff, I'd be like, what the fuck, dude? Only do this thing. I just gave you money. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, look, it's, it's something that I had to work through with our investors for sure. Uh, was very upfront with it, with them about it and was like, look, this is my main focus. Um, you know, which was very true. And it, it was definitely something to manage around. Uh, I also think though, that like, it's one of those things where as long as the business is going well, no one's going to complain, you know yeah. what I mean? Uh, but certainly if things went sideways, then it's, then it's like, Okay, this is a an easy area to point. Fingers. Yeah, it's like Elon can run Tesla and SpaceX, and everyone's like, yeah. "Wow, he's amazing!" And those businesses are amazing. And then Jack does the same thing with Twitter and Square. And if Twitter misses its earnings, it's like off with his head. How dare he? You know, yeah. he's a part time CEO. What the hell were we thinking? And uh, and so it's, you know, people are pretty. They do uh, what's called resulting pretty hard in in that yes. case. Uh, <laughs> and you also did. Yeah, you also exactly. did a pretty fun experiment. Uh, I don't know if this was a side hustle or what would you call this? Where me and Sam were both guinea pigs in your uh, your continuous glucose monitoring trial. So you basically tweeted out. Yeah, something. I was sending him like I was sending him like shirtless pics of myself like every week. <laughs> yeah, and to be clear, that was <laughs> including that one was photo optional. with little piece. That, that was not even like yeah, recommended. I, he, 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 well, yeah, there was like a piss spot in one of my pics. <laughs> a piss spot? What is that? In, in your boxers? Like you know when you go pee and you like leak a little on your boxers? Yeah. So, Sam sent me like a just him and his boxers photo, and there's just a little pee spot to show his body fat. Like, I was like, happens. all right, dude. <laughs> and so you were doing this thing where you were like, "Hey, I need like 20 people, or I don't know how many, maybe it's 40 people that you ended up using." 50. Yeah, 50 people. And you were like, "Hey, uh, we're gonna do this experiment." And what you did was you sent us all a levels. Uh, glucose monitor 
and then um, continuous glucose monitor that we just, you know, punctured into our arm basically. Now, okay, that's measuring. And then you put us all in like a WhatsApp group and you're like, hey, here's the idea. And it was like financial incentive. I think it was like, yeah, you would pay us out every day that I, we stayed in range. And if we missed it, like you kept our money or something like that. Uh, yep. What was that experiment and what'd you learn out of it? Man, it was awesome. Like that, that experiment was uh, kind of like many things in my life. I just had the idea, tweeted it immediately and got such a strong <laughs> response from people. But we had like a wait list. <laughs> Yeah, totally. Uh, where I was like, okay, now I got to figure this out. Um, you know, Sam was texting me every day being like, this is sweet. Like, I'm, I'm going to get all my fucking money back. Like, you're very into it. I loved it. I was um, into it. Yeah, I was super yes, into it. Yeah, awesome. But yeah, so learned a ton, man. I mean, one of the craziest things I think was just how well that incentive of like $25 a day really worked for people to keep them, keep them honest. Like, you go through, you know, pay 950 bucks. For 30 days, every day that you stay under a barrier, I like give you 25 bucks back. And just that tiny little behavior, like incentive where that brownie or whatever is not $4, but it's $29. Right. Like that, uh, I think that little incentive goes a really long way and it's somewhat competitive and all this. And so we have had with literally no marketing, you know, we've, we've filled up 50 person cohorts every month since launching that in February. Uh, oh, which, it's you know, still live. Yeah. Yeah. People can still sign up. It's wearablechallenge.com. We've had one person go through it seven times. <laughs> They've lost about 50 pounds. It's like unbelievable who, to who, see the results of this. Who's, who's running that? Yeah. So one of the guys in the first cohort, Aaron, uh, got so excited about the idea. I was like, hey, do you want to run with this? And so he, uh, he's been running it the whole <laughs> That's time. That's amazing. And is that a <laughs> business to you or what is that? Not really. I mean, we're, we're kind of thinking about like how to make it a business, but uh, but it's it's actually a perfect example of a side hustle. Like I will probably make, you know, somewhere between 20 and 30 grand this year from right. doing right. it. Uh, yeah. When I saw that. Maybe more if Sam joins and blows a bunch of his glucose levels. When, it, when I saw that, I was like, hey, this is fun. And uh, it's kind of like on brand for you because of the stuff you, you talk about in your businesses. But then I was also like, oh, this is a great business because everybody wants the outcome. Everybody wants to eat right, lose weight. Yeah. And the biggest hack is not knowledge, but accountability. And I liked that you were coming at it from an accountability point of view. And I actually think like, you know, the, the company levels could do something like this, or the, there's going to be a company that does this, right? Whatever Weight Watchers is as a business model, like I haven't studied it. I'm assuming you have given what you do and what this business yeah. is, but could this not be like Weight Watchers 2.0? I think it could be. I mean, it just, it would need someone to like run at it really full time. Uh, but I do think that there's something here. I mean, there's a couple companies like stick and like one other that I'm forgetting where you can sort of like bet money on, um, on different outcomes. And, you know, I think that that sort of works. I actually think the really powerful part of this is like, it's a cohort, it's a challenge for a set period of time and you lose money only for that set period of time. Right. Uh, and, and so like, I would love to expand this and we're sort of have some ideas in the in the hopper about like what expanding it might look like, but it's definitely not my like full time thing at all. Have you heard <laughs> of Stick, Sean? That's actually no. an interesting company to buy. I haven't been there in years, but when I used to go there, it was even when I went there like years ago, it was considered like old. So it's yeah. Stick. It's spelled Stick, but I think there's two K's at the end, right? Yep. And it's like a physical place. No, it's a web Stick dot com, okay. but two K's at the end. And uh. Is the website still all old and janky looking? Yeah. Okay. So it was like old back then when, or in 2013 or 14 when I used to use it. And what you do is you enlist a friend uh, to be the referee. 
And then you create, I believe, an anti-charity where you uh, select something that you hate and then you upload money to it. And then if you fail at your challenge, your friend clicks a button and it automatically goes to that place that you right. hate. And I, I think you can... You, there's a varieties of, of the Tim service. Tim Ferriss but talked the, about this, I think, in 4-Hour Workweek. And I think it got yeah, popular stick. from that. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, do you think this company makes money, Justin? I would imagine so. I don't know how much, but that, I would it could imagine be a, so. It, would, it could be an interesting thing to buy. I mean, it's actually not that hard to replicate. But like, if they already get yeah. traffic, it could be an interesting... It would be an interesting. This would be an interesting thing to buy and uh, revamp and make a little bit better because I think they get a lot of traffic. When I um, when we owned Toodledo, there was this one guy, an author. Uh, I think he wrote a book, uh, "Getting Things Done." G. What's it called? Uh, G. Yeah. Yeah. David Allen. And yeah, and he mentioned Toodledo, this app that me and uh, Ramon bought. bought um, and most of our customers came to us because they read about Toodledo. Like it just mentioned them in like a sentence or something <laughs> in the book. And that's where most of the customers came from. And just because Tim Ferriss mentioned Stick, I bet that's where the the vast majority of their customers come from. For sure. Yeah, that's funny. Uh, there was this thing called Gym Pact too. I don't know if you guys have, have, have you seen that. It, I don't know if it made it. It was like it came out five years ago or something like that. But it was you would basically pledge that you're going to go to the gym with some num- some frequency, and other people would too. And it basically, I think what they were doing was. Like in your case, you're the house. You're like the bank. It's like I give you the money and then you pay me back. And in this case, it was like it would match you with somebody else. And uh, if you ever didn't do your thing, your money would go to that person. Uh, if they did it and you didn't go, your money would go to them. And if you both went, you, your money would be safe. And um, and so you're like making a pact that you would go to the gym for you know some amount of frequency. But I do think there is something to this like kind of financial incentive, accountability, you know, betting betting on yourself, betting on your habit. Uh, model that I think is pretty cool. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I mean, we're we're actually looking now at like, could you apply this to run little, you know, health boot camps in like LA or Austin or something like that, where you have thirty people, fifty people opt in. We'll handle your meals. We'll you know, we'll give you levels. Like, we'll do all this sort of stuff and a more like premium offering that um, where it's like, hey, you're almost guaranteed to lose weight or get in better shape at the end of this month. That would for sure work. That's a little bit better than my weight loss idea, which is called kidnap, <laughs> where you just go and you take a person <laughs> and you bring them to the desert uh, in like Vegas. And you kidnap just, like, with like two you, P's at the end. Yeah, it's called kidnap, <laughs> kidnap SF or we'll call it hostage. And we just bring you to like a farm and we just like, it's like, look, you only 1500 calories a day, do whatever you want all day. But like, this is it. Uh, <laughs> I love that. <laughs> um, can Imagine I Imagine the you, refund rates would be high on that. Well, you know, it'll be guaranteed success. Um, so I want to get to some of these ideas, but I first want to ask you about DuckDuckGo. So you're friends with that guy, Gabe, right? The guy who started yeah. it or uh, owns it. And yeah. are you bullish on that business? Because you're one of the few people I know that has insight onto it. And I'm bit, I look at their traffic monthly, like because they give out these Insane. monthly updates. Uh, that does that is that business like a like kind of like an under the radar thing? Do you think this is going to yeah. take over the world? Because that's kind of how I feel. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I think it's it's crushing. Like, I think that you always see, like, there's always like a counterpoint to some massive trend or massive amount of success. Like you have like Amazon taking over the world, but then you have Shopify, which is crushing it. And I think that DuckDuckGo is like the counterpoint to, uh, to like Google and, you know, privacy eroding across the board, all this sort of stuff. Like, I do think there's an opportunity to be a big tech company, but with privates, like privacy is a core value rather than, uh, you know, selling ads to everyone. And so I think DuckDuckGo really has that the opportunity to like be that company. And they have a lot of tailwinds that are working in their favor at this point. Um, it, it's also crazy. Like Gabe 
he's been working on that company for like 12 years, five of those longer. years. Is yeah. it longer than 12? I feel like it, it's it might be longer. actually. Um, but like for a large chunk of that time, he was just a solo founder building a search engine to compete with Google. <laughs> it's like, wow. <laughs> so they do, I mean, a, they, they do north of a hundred million in revenue, I believe. Yeah, I, I believe Justin, it. Do you I mean, know how, like, I don't know if you, I don't know if you knew him during those early years, but like, uh, did you know him yeah. at the beginning or no? Not, not the very, very beginning, but I knew him when it was like him and one other person working on DuckDuckGo. And so I'm guessing at that point, it wasn't, it wasn't a case where it's him and one other person and man, it's crushing it. It's him and one other person and it's sort of crawling forward. Um, yeah. What were those, like, what were your conversations like? What was the outlook? I mean, I, I find it fascinating when people work on these businesses that don't take off right away and they stick with it. And then they either like the world just changes or they figure something out or it just compounds slow, slowly. But then all of a sudden it starts to take off. Like, what was that like? They're in the flat part. And then what do you think caused it to grow? Yeah, I think that he was he was just getting like small bits of positive feedback from communities like Hacker News community was like, DuckDuckGo is amazing for like stack overflow searches or, you know, X, Y and Z, very specific niche sorts of searches. And then as he got good feedback from those groups, it's like, OK. Let's invest in product to make this a little better, a little better. And I think that after, you know, let's call it 12, 14 years that he's been working on this, the product has gotten a lot better, but also the like sort of trend line of where big tech is going has, it's just gotten like way more, way more invasive and, and way more like privacy is way more of a concern for people today, mm -hmm. especially as you're seeing a lot of the, the censorship stuff and, you know, some of this that's, that's happening in the big tech world right now. I think that DuckDuckGo is like, one of the few companies that for over a decade now has been like privacy is one of our, our like core things. And they've built an incredibly complex product uh, to compete with Google that is just not easy to spin up overnight. You know, it's not a side hustle. It's not like the type of thing you or I can build with a couple hours a week uh, over, you know, a weekend. Can we talk about, can we go through some of these ideas? You want to start with Airbnb camping? Because I, uh, you, you were texting me about this I, uh, and I want to learn about it. I just looked at a house the other day, by the way. Uh, down the street from my house to buy for Airbnb. I'll have to send you the numbers. I don't know if it, it seems like a lot of work for not a lot of output. We'll see. Yeah, I, th I think that's probably true for a lot of Airbnb right now. I think the thing that is compelling to me is like, we talked earlier about new platform stuff, like HipCamp and some of these other like camping platforms are exploding. And again, I think if you could like leverage capital, build up the supply side and provide like, you know, water, toiletry, like all, all the basics um, in locations that people actually want to camp at, you could build a pretty material business. And it, again, it like may not be a $10 billion business, but I think it would be a really solid side hustle and cash flow asset. And it would, would require a lot less, um, a lot less like management and work than Airbnb, because at the end of the day, you're fucking camping. Like, sorry, you know, it's not like, the, the stove burner doesn't work or the AC right. is off. It's like a plot of You're land. You're welcome for a tent the, uh, on there. experience <laughs> I provided for you where, where nothing worked and you had to fend for yourself. Maybe, That's what you wanted. Maybe exactly. Maybe I can host hostage out there. Um, <laughs> exactly. Do you, uh, when, you were, when you were doing this, what numbers were you modeling out? Yeah, so I was mainly modeling it for on like a NOI basis, uh, which is net operating income, which is like a term that's used a lot in real estate. But basically, I think that you could get like 30 to 40% cash on cash returns by following this strategy. That sounds like the greatest thing ever. Why, didn't, why have you done it? 
because I am getting high returns from my time elsewhere. I'm, you know, so what we'll do is this. I would love to find if, someone if, to run. If somebody who's listening to this is like, oh, I'm the perfect guy for this. I, 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 I love camping. I know I have camper. I have a camper myself. I'm in an area that's like a high demand thing for, for hip camp or auto camp or whatever. Um, yeah, great. You be the operator. We'll put up the cash. We'll buy the RVs for you and you run totally. the thing and let's split it. So uh, email me. Sean at seanpuri.com and then I'll, I'll loop in these guys and we will uh, we will fund your uh, we will fund a a small rental business of uh, of campers if anybody's in the location that does this because that's a that's a yeah, great idea you're, you're absolutely right they're basically tons of demand and they're supply constrained and so if you just build out more supply you're gonna get bookings and you're gonna get great returns off some yeah exactly and and it's one of those things that's like that could scale really nicely these platforms are here to stay like there's a lot of venture dollars going into making these more of a thing i think that you could crush it on these platforms is it something i want to do full-time at this point in my career no but do i think someone younger who like cares about camping more than i do could really do well here like absolutely right um okay great that's a great idea what else you got uh alcohol baby let's talk about that yeah, so near and dear I, to my heart as a as a as a as a non-alcoholic beer drinker. Yeah, so you know, a couple uh, earlier this year launched a company that I talked about, Shirley, uh, HighShirley.com, S-U-R-E-L-Y. Um, but we're we're basically like we saw so much interest going into the non-alc beer space. Bud Light bought three spots at the Super Bowl. One was the seltzer spot. The other was for Bud Light. The other was for Bud Zero, which is like the non-alc thing is so interesting and like there's so much attention going towards it and we saw like a ton of really good non-alc beers some really good like non-alc spirits options and nothing in the wine category and so we decided to build the first uh clean label really high quality non-alcoholic wine brand and wine company uh hired like real winemaking talent and the like and we launched earlier this year and it's going uh going super well so i'm how much did you uh by the way i want to brag i've been talking about this shit for like four years now haven't I, Sean? <laughs> I don't know if that's a brag or really it's a it's a knock on you. You had the inside. He took the action. He, he well, I don't he want translated to do that. I mean, it. I don't that's true. That that's true. I mean, it, it, yeah, uh, I'm just talking yeah, shit. But but, but uh, you, you so, have been, so I get like a I get like a like a just like a like a attaboy. Yeah, yeah. You, I deserve you, you an attaboy. You get an attaboy for that for that for sure. <laughs> so I think you were gonna kinda ask him something like, How much did you put in to start this? Basically, how much of your own money did you did you have to seed into making a venture like this happen? Yeah. So I put in uh, close to 100K to make this happen. Um, and some portion of that was a loan that that I got out uh, just as like revenue started to yep. come in. But yeah, it was about 100K to spin up. Nothing. That's not a lot. Yeah, that's great. No. Yeah, yeah it's it not a crazy That's a weekend for Sam. Thank you. <laughs> um, I feel I feel like um, I feel like uh, like it. OK, so if you're telling me you could start this with 100 grand and how many hours a week are you working on this? Uh, I, to get it spun up. I mean, it was much more like hiring the right contractors and people. So it was five, 10, maybe at most. Okay. I feel like there's a world where this, like, let, let's be conservative. I feel like there's a, like, this is very clearly a $10 million a year thing that makes 2 million in profit, right? Like, like it, it could definitely be way bigger, but I feel like that's a relatively like, I'd be disappointed if it didn't hit that mark. Right. That's kind of what you're saying. Like, yeah. You, that would yeah, be yeah, expectations at least. Yeah. Uh, so, right. Like, and let's give me, let's give it six years to do that. Let's go, let's grow slow. Uh, I feel like that's like a it's pretty surefire way you're going to get that. Would you, you agree? Uh, yeah, I certainly do. And so, I it, hope so. Seems like a if good that was the case, right? A, a DTC brand like that can sell for like one X revenue, let's say. So you could turn 100K investment and let's call it, 
even 20 hours a week for for a year to spin it up to you 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 turned 100k into basically you know 10 million bucks worth of 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 total equity value in, ter- in, in terms of the company in that case. I don't even think it'll take six years. Yeah. I think that's two two years. Maybe. Yeah, I'm being like ultra. Yeah, yeah I, I agree. Um, I so agree. That, that's but, cool. but yeah, I mean, that's a basic thing. Where are the other opportunities in the space that you, when you were researching? Yeah, I mean, I, there's a ton, right? Like, I think that we're at this generational shift where people, you know, 10 years ago, everyone was like, let's go out. Maybe this is just me getting older. I don't know. But all of my friends were like, let's go out to the bars and get really drunk. Now all my friends are like, let's have one glass of wine and then like have a great long dinner and, or try, you know, or not drink at all. Right. And instead young do people, like, I don't, young people, I don't think drink. Yeah. It, it's, <laughs> it's becoming much more common. Shockingly. That's um, what I'm saying. Like the Gen Z is like, like, uh, it's not as common. Like when the, totally. the second I could drive, Justin, like, have you heard Sam's uh, Gen Z analysis that he does his, uh, his trends analysis on Gen Z? <laughs> He's like, no, they don't I have sex, it. they don't drink, and they're depressed. But they're really cool looking. <laughs> what do you see? What do you call them? Yeah. They're really cool. They got they got nice teeth. They uh, always wear vans, and they like they always have like proper fitting. What jeans. color do they like? What do I say? Like red or, something? Know, just, or I, millennial? I you have like a really sweeping generalization for that, dude. Yeah. It's like the truth. You have to use TikTok. Like they all have like sick ass haircuts. Um, <laughs> It's true. They all got like amazing. I mean, Justin's, Justin's got, got, Justin's got a Gen Z cut right now. He's he's looking he's looking Gen <laughs> Z. Dude, the young people. I'm saying they they don't they don't have they don't have a lot of sex. Not nearly as much as before. And they so don't, wait, even um, with all that which, teeth and hair, they can't. They're not having sex. What's going on, dude? I don't know. It's like, <laughs> male it's testosterone like, is down fifty percent over the last like forty years. That's right. Yeah, maybe that's it. Insane. It's like. This is some, there's something going on here. And they also don't like alcohol. Like it's, it's a health thing or I, I don't know what it is, but they don't drink. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I honestly think one of the reasons I'm bullish on the non-alc space is like we're getting to the point where there are just better drugs. Like if people want to, you know, alter their state of consciousness, I'm seeing a lot more friends that are like opting into cannabis or ketamine or some of the, you know, psychedelics or some of these other things that don't give you the hangover don't give you the 30 extra pounds over a year of heavy drinking. Like I, I just think people are opting for, for different sorts of compounds different highs. to give them the experience they want. Yeah, exactly. I tried that recess drink. You guys tried that? The, the yeah. CB, CBD, CBD kind of like carbonated drink. Great branding. Amazing branding. I would say drink tastes like shit and didn't do anything. So I was like, well, I'm out on that one, but I love the idea of it. I kind of wish it, if it just, if they just put LaCroix in that can, I'd feel amazing. I'd be like, yeah, this is the best. This is the future. <laughs> uh, but instead, you know, they tried their own thing. Um, what are some businesses that you're like, you mentioned testosterone. We invested in this testosterone uh, replacement company because we were like that same. Which one? Uh, it's called Peak. Well, they're just rebranding to Hone, but basically it's at home, direct consumer, you know, testing for your cool. T levels. And then when you get tested and it's, if it's low, you're, They'll, there's like a telemedicine doctor who will be like, Hey, by the way, if you want this yep. to go up, you know, like there are some solutions that we can offer you. And basically they have their own. Uh, You've not heard of that, Justin. I've heard of TRT. I didn't, I didn't heard of like peak or home. It's basically it's also not my D to C TRT. I don't right? believe in it. To throw six letters. <laughs> yeah. In. You Got don't it. believe in it. It's real. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe that's not a, a well said thing, but I tend to think that some of these things it's like, you know, your testosterone levels are low. It's like, okay, the reason that they're low is some inputs from your environment are not healthy. And so rather than trying to fix the symptom, like you should try and fix the environment. But what are the biggest inputs you can change to to boost testosterone from from your opinion? I I think diet, sleep, 
like inflammation, and then also trying to cut out like endocrine disrupting hormones, uh, which are, I think, like a horrifying thing that not a lot of people are talking about. What is that? Talk about it. Uh, Go on. So so different uh, plastics, compounds, like you've heard of like BPA free and all these sorts of things. Um, The whole class of something called phthalates, which is P-H-T-H-L-A-T-E-S, that that effectively have like a really strong negative impact on one's testosterone, one's like endocrine and hormonal systems, and they're that are in like everything. And they're so basically from avoiding plastics like or they're from something else. Uh yeah, a lot of plastics. Yeah. Um so these are like synthetic materials that are just in like water, plastics, food packaging, uh creams that you use. Like they're all they're in they're everywhere. So what's something you um, do lifestyle wise that I'd be like, dude, why are you doing that? Um, like I went to my friend's <laughs> house one time and he, instead of using toothpaste, he was like, he dipped his toothbrush in like this powder and started brushing his teeth. And I was like, Hey man, what the fuck is that? Cause he's always like <laughs> three steps ahead in health and like products. And so any, at first I used to judge him and now I'm like, Oh, oh am I killing myself by using toothpaste? Should I be using this powder shit? And like, you know, yeah, yeah. What, what are those? If I went to <laughs> your I, house, what, what would yours be? Can I guess, Justin? Can I guess? Yeah. Can I guess? Um, do you use a microwave? No, no, right, I didn't think. Okay. Um, Although that like you, is, yeah. But like you go reasons. out of your way to not use a microwave, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Do you, um, you definitely only have glass Tupperware, correct? Yeah, for sure. <laughs> um, what else is there? Uh, um, do you, uh, I, I've got a few more. I, I, I've got a few more I could peg you, but you tell me. I got this like 19 step home water filtration thing installed at yeah. my house. That's like the metal one. It, it's like 25 feet tall and in this <laughs> outside, it's insane. Looking. It's outdoors. Uh, the plumbers. Yeah. Yeah. They, they, they're just at every step. So there's one in the sink. There's one outside that like filters all the home water. The guys came in to install it. And they're like, we have never seen anyone install something like this. Um, but yeah, so I, I have that set up uh, that I just recently got the Tupperware stuff. Uh, pretty diet cautious in general. Um, are you, are you, you super ripped? I can't see you. From- your, your neck up here. Are you like, Okay. No, he's lean. Yeah, you're lean. Yeah. You're like 10% body fat, right? Uh, I'll send you a pee spot photo. Yeah, I was going to say, I need, I, need a, I need a pee. <laughs> well, I've seen you without a shirt. Like, you're not like uh, like huge, but you're like, you look like a like a, right, like a, just, like a soccer player, Sam, right? who's more fit? Yeah. You or Justin? Uh, it depends on what we're different. talking about. Who, who is, <laughs> do you aspire more for your body or for his body? Go. Uh, I would prefer, uh, I, right now I prefer to be leaner and skinnier. So I'm trying to lose fat so and look more, a little bit more, more like him. Body. All right, great. All yeah. right. So you have the insane water filtration system. And what is that, by the way? What, what's the name of it? Uh, it is called the Radiant Life, I think. But there's another one, Sean, do, do you that all the people. All, all... Uh, I do. I have a song. Do you like <laughs> yeah, it? I have a in my backyard. Is it infrared or is it a uh, hot no, stone? No, it's, it's the, uh, yeah, it's like the, the hot stone one. And like yeah. red lights the on your toes shit. or something in the morning. What do you, what do you, do you do anything with any kind of light UV anything? No, I try to get outside. I mean, it, this is one of those things that I think is like, there's some people that I think over optimize where they're like, oh, I need more light exposure. So I'm going to stay inside and like shine red light <laughs> on myself. And I'm like, just use go the sun. outside. Yeah. Do, do you <laughs> only use zero drop shoes? No. <laughs> what is that? I did for a while. I just didn't realize. What is a zero a drop shoe? So basically lo- shoes with no heel. Yeah, most shoes have some type Small of uh, like yeah, but like the a lot of people believe that that ruins your Achilles and hurts your calves, um, and a bunch and ruins your posture. Um, do you um, uh, do you only eat meat from Salt and Time? <laughs> I try to when I can. It's the best meat in Austin for sure. Where do you get your meat from? 
Uh, so I now I eat most of my meat is from Salt and Time or stuff that I've hunted or a friend has hunted. <laughs> I love it. This is awesome. Okay, great. Yeah. <laughs> Did we miss any other ones? Any other good uh, like sort of self? I don't. What, what do we even call these? Uh, well, look, I, I think what we're I, teasing, but there is truth in this. Like guys who are on the cutting edge and yeah. things that we joke and laugh at. I believe that's going to be normal. Uh, you know, like um, totally. Like I remember, like years ago, I I got into this hobby uh, about raw denim which is like a, it was, yeah. at the time it was like super nerdy and everyone made fun of me and it, it didn't get entirely mainstream, but a little bit mainstream. It, it got quite uh, popular. Um, and that, and that was, um, that's kind of like what we're talking about here. So like, I remember years ago, people were talking about ayahuasca and I was like, what the fuck is that? Right. And now like, I know so many people that are doing this stuff. So, totally. uh, oh, and Dan said you use nonstick pans. You definitely, you don't use nonstick pans for sure. I could tell that. Yeah. I, I use a ceramic set or cast iron. Yeah. Yeah. That, that, that's an easy one. But anyway, Super go ahead. What, what was the answer? Were you going to, are there any other things that we can learn from how you live? Yeah. I mean, I, I think that like cutting out things that are causes of inflammation or, or the obvious ones, it's like, don't microwave stuff in plastic, try and like buy stuff that is overly, not overly processed and packaged. Uh, and I think actually like avoiding vegetable oils is a tremendous, tremendous thing that like you said about raw denim or ayahuasca, um, you know, five years from now, 10 years from now a lot of people are going to be way more conscious about vegetable oils and the damage that they specifically like a compound called linoleic acid in there. Um, that the damage that does to like your inflammatory system. What will they system. use instead? Olive oil think, or peanut oil? Or what, what? Yeah. I mean, hopefully olive oil, avocado oil, uh, animal fats, lard, ghee, butter, stuff like that. Coconut oil. Do you want to talk about, uh, you want to talk about one or two more of these, Sean, or what? Uh, yeah, let's do, let's do, you pick, you pick the topic. Let's do one more topic. Oh, I know what I was going to ask you really quick. All these things that you're doing, this like no microwave, all this stuff, do you actually feel a difference? Or um, is it is it like... Are these uh, all long-term or is there any short-term pleasure and yeah. benefit I can get out of these? Like, do you feel <laughs> different? Yeah. So I, the way that I think about this is like from a baseline standpoint, uh, you know, if you, if you have a pretty high baseline, uh, like imagine you're super strong, it, it's going to be really hard for you to notice if you're a bodybuilder, if you're putting on like 1%, you know, two pounds of muscle or something, if you already, or if you're already like weighing 225. Um, so I think that I have a pretty high like health baseline. And so a lot of these things are more preventative and not like, oh my God, I feel amazing. Uh, you know, whereas I felt like shit the other day. But for, I think the average person, like if your baseline is relatively low, you want to lose like, or average, you want to lose weight, you're not sleeping well. Um, you know, your stress hormones are all over the place. A lot of these interventions, like you'll feel a material difference after like 20 or 30 days. I think there's a world to build like a wire cutter version of this. So for example, like you're saying a lot of stuff and my friend, my best friend, Jack is into all this stuff. And, and, and when I stay at his house when I visit him. And so that's how I like, I see how he lives. And Jack's really honest. And I'll say, he takes all these supplements. I go, do any of these do anything? And he goes, no, like, I don't feel any different. <laughs> um, and like a guy like you, I imagine you actually care about longevity and also you just like to tinker and you like trying gadgets. You know, I, I like trying yeah. gadgets as well. I just want to like see the latest and greatest. It's fun to experiment. I would love, but, but the issue is, is that someone like you, like, or not you, but pe some of the folks in your world, like they can get a little woo woo. And I'm like, I don't know if Definitely. they're like talking about fucking crystals or if this is actually going to make a difference in my life. It's really hard to know, like, uh, if like this actually truly is meaningful. I went and, and I went to Peter, Peter Atia's blog about this as well to learn about fitness. And he talks about so much stuff about fitness and diet. And I'm like, just give me the if you just do this, life will be a little bit better. And you're 80% there. 
Yeah, I think there's a big opportunity for that. I, I think that one of the problems is like, if you're an influencer, you're going to get way more attention and interest from people when you talk about butthole sunning than you are about like, eat a healthy diet. Broccoli, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, yeah, totally. Like, you I think that's the problem. Sunning? Yeah, you, you, you've or, seen that. Yeah, or no, perineum no. bathing. <laughs> What's that mean? <laughs> Same thing. <laughs> you never seen uh, this article, Sam? It went like super viral. Basically, I'll send you a, no, a, what is a bunch of naked like, people. Like, they were going out like they're tanning, but then they raise their legs above their heads so that the sun goes directly into their butt. And oh they're like, God. oh, you know, never felt better, you know? <laughs> the, the sun's energy right into your fourth eye. Do we want to go over one more thing or two more things? What do you want to do? It's your call. Well, we can't end on butthole summoning. Yeah, right? I guess. Um, I guess that will probably leave a bad okay, taste. So I've got an interesting, <laughs> you, you have something interesting and, and I want to, so I've got a friend named Nick, you, you know, Nick Ray, I bet. And yeah. Nick, um, he, he jokes about it, but he's being serious. He matches with girls on Tinder or whatever app he uses. And he calls them for a pre-screening for a date. He's like, let's just talk to each other because he's Nick's, uh, he just wants to get down to business. Like, oh, do we want to date or not? And he calls them. And one of the questions he asks Sean right away is what's your credit history or uh, like, do you have debt? Right. Um, and on here, Justin has, he goes, I think I could create a dating app that based off your credit card history. Um, but but, but this actually, wasn't, just to be clear, it's not your credit rating he's talking about. Not like I only want to rate right. rich credit worthy people. It's more like if I know what well, you, you don't have to be rich to have a good, or whatever, good credit it, what he's like, saying is I want to look at your purchase history. Basically, the stuff you buy, if you shop at Whole Foods, if you go to the gym, if you don't, whatever, uh, you exactly. go to the bar and you ring up a bill, that'll tell us how compatible we are. That was your idea. Yeah, exactly. And are you dating right now? Are you single? Uh, I am recently engaged. Recently engaged. Six months okay. ago. And if you matched you yeah. and your fiance's bills up before you got engaged, would would you have been a good match? Great fit. Great fit? Yeah, for sure. <laughs> That's amazing. I think that like where you spend your resources tells a lot about someone that a hinge profile doesn't. And so I suspect if like you were to say, hey, we are matching the two of you up because you spend an absurd amount of your income at this like weird butcher shop in Austin or at Whole Foods, like we're probably going to get along, you know, or at least have a higher odds of doing that uh, from a lifestyle compatibility standpoint than than Hinge does, you know. Sam, what do you think? All right, let's do. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I, I think no, this would work. I think this is one of those things that people. Say <laughs> I think we're going to give that one a no, but, but I like, enjoy that you said it. <laughs> yeah, like I think my opinion is like when it comes to dating, um, you really just like you want to optimize for getting laid quickly. I think like regardless if that's what people admit or not, but like they just want to get to like date one so they can get in bed uh, for step two. And I think that really people like they say they like, so um, uh, when we had our roommate matching app, I don't know if you could actually vouch for, if you saw this on your end, people said they wanted this, they wanted that, they wanted this. Definitely. And then they would meet someone and they're like, nah, fuck it. Like I'll just do it. <laughs> uh, right. Like, and so I think the same is with dating. You say you want to do this, you want to do that. But then if I show you like a person who you just think is attractive, even though you had all these rules, uh, you're going to say, ah, all right, whatever. Let's just do it. Yeah, yeah. No, I think that's probably true. I think this probably would be better as a like matchmaking service than a broad based dating app. Right. And, and then uh, well, let's, let's wrap up with the one that we've actually talked about before about this automation officer. Yeah, let's do it. Um, Basically, I think with the rise of no-code tools, virtual assistants, all this sort of stuff, like I think the average company, and we, we do this at, at my company, could just be 30% more productive. Like we, we have basically one virtual assistant hire for every two people that we have that are on the team. 
and we give them like a training that's like, here's how to use virtual assistants, get all of the repetitive stuff off your plate. And I just wish I could hire someone to do that as a service where like he or she sits in product meetings or marketing or logistics team shit. And it's just like, we're going to automate these five pieces and just continually does that across the company. Where did you learn that from? Who? That's so so interesting to give VAs to every two yeah. people. Yeah, uh, I just started doing it when we started the company. I think that's pretty amazing, right? It's been I mean, great. How did you learn the how to how to manage a VA? What you can use them for? What you can't? Where did you learn that part? Obviously, uh, some trial and error, but like, what was the spark? Yeah, I when I when I left um, when I left like the company I was working with Terry at, we got acquired. Uh, and then I was kind of like starting to do my own stuff on the side and was like, okay, I want to try and scale myself uh, to do more stuff on the side. So like originally hired VAs to help with responding to Airbnb requests and then viewed me requests and then like slowly got them more integrated into my life. <laughs> I love it. And did you take a course or something like where did you, this training that you have for, for your employees, is that modeled off something or what? Uh, no, we, we basically like, we have some internal documents that myself and other people on the team have written up around how to leverage virtual assistants. And we just do that. You should uh, publish this. Yeah. I feel like that's, I, I feel right. like you're kind of like this, you're not dismissing this, but you're kind of like brushing over this. I feel like that's actually one of the more interesting things that I've learned today. I think that's actually pretty amazing. I've had a lot of people ask me for this and I actually suck at using VAs and don't really use them, but I know I should, uh, and could do more. And this is one of, if I, I kind of like, pinged the audience. I was like, all right, if I could teach you anything that you think, like, what do you think I could teach you that I know that, that you want to know? And surprisingly, this was like number five on that list. And so I plan to eventually a learn it myself and better so that I can like uh, offer this to others. But I was very surprised to see that on the top list of things people wanted to learn that they felt like they were just curious about and they felt that there was value there, but they didn't know how to unlock it. That's interesting. Yeah. I mean, maybe this is something that I should publish at some point and I don't know how much do what, what what how much budget do you allocate? Is it like two grand a month per two people or what? We yeah we probably about that like call it like ten ish grand across like the whole company. So you what do you guys have? You have twenty people. We have thirty three. Dude, that's pretty sick. How you've kept it like relatively small for I I I have no intel. I would imagine your revenue is in the sixty million range if I had to guess. Um. And that's pretty a lean, mean team for how value, how much value that is. Definitely. And I think the VA piece is a big part of it. Like we just have a very efficient team that's pretty focused on getting stuff done that they uniquely can do. And the, v, the VAs are super helpful with the rest. Well, dude, this is sick, man. I, I can't sh see Sean's face. I can't see where he's yeah, at. Yeah, my camera but, overheats. Uh, uh, this is a, a recurring problem. I moved it all. <laughs> I moved my whole setup inside for this, but then I also got two babies inside. So I thought, all right. Do I want to risk babies crying or my camera overheat? Guaranteed camera overheat, and I, I chose the camera. Justin, do you want to promote yourself? Where, where do you want? Where do you want people to go to? I, I, a lot of people are going to listen to this. So, uh, what your dot com, your Twitter? Where, where are you going to? What are you going to pimp? Yeah, so probably my Twitter. I'm at jwmares, uh, or you know my website justinmares.com. I have a monthly newsletter that I send out. I, where I talk about various things I think about health, business, and whatever else is kind of on my mind um, that seems like people like. I think, Sam, you like it too, right? Yeah, I'm I'm looking at your stuff now. I'm a subscriber. I get your... It's not a Substack. It's just a blog, right? Uh, yeah, but I have a monthly newsletter that is on Substack. But not Yeah, that's focus. right. I, I get your emails in my uh, thing. 
or in my the, email and I, I and I message you about it. I'm like, oh, yeah. I just saw your Airbnb thing. I'm because I actually want to do that. I think that's sick. I Dang. I think that'd be a great way to finance uh, like a, a a pretty large bit of land. I think that's fun. I went gun, I went shooting. I went to this place out in Texas where you shoot guns and then afterwards you go and ride ATVs. And it was like I was in heaven. I was like, this is just the most fun I could possibly have. <laughs> I have to go and buy a place so I can do this all the time. It's awesome. <laughs> Uh, what are you gonna say, Sean? Uh, I was gonna say, Justin, I gotta give you the, the compliment. I'll give your blog is that your your content is so good. It made me question. I was like, is this guy really like a good entrepreneur, or is this like because like usually like there's some people who are truly great at putting out content and truly great at do uh, actually like walking the walk and doing the doing the business side and have actually done it themselves. They're not just like studying others and writing content. But often what you'll find is that people are good at one of the. I know a bunch of amazing business people who don't want to or suck at creating content. And I know some great content people that I'm like, once I meet them, I'm like, oh, you've, this is what, this is your business. You've never done a business outside of this content business. And uh, so then when I found out that you were good at both, I was like, okay, you know, props to you for both. But that's how good the content was that it made me, Thanks, it made man. me do the research and say, is this, is this guy legit or what? I appreciate that. I'm definitely not good at like the content business side of things or posting frequently, but I, I, I like I mean, really enjoy been, putting it out. I'm you've been doing this for now, years. Your, yeah, you've been doing yeah. it for years. I'm looking at your site now. I'm reading your 2020 review. I, I just clicked off Central Athlete because you talked about Central Athlete. <laughs> I mean, it seems like you've been doing this for years. So, I mean, that's consistent. Definitely. I, I like it, but in small doses, not as a full-time thing. <laughs> All right, great. We should yeah, wrap it up. About uh, it. Dude, thanks for coming on. This was fun. Uh, you're like a perfect fit for like the type of audience that we have. They're going to love, I think, the content that you, uh, the ideas and stuff you shared. So that was great. I appreciate yeah, you awesome. coming. Thank you. Thanks for having me on, guys. It was fun. Uh-huh. Yeah. I feel like I can rule the world. I know I could be what I want to. I put my all in it like no days off On the road, let's travel, never looking back